everyone, welcome um, to this um, chat with myself. This is John Waters and myself, Fanola. And uh, we have uh, bumped into each other and we're having a chat about what's happening here in Ireland at the moment. And um, I'd like to introduce John, first of all. Hi, Fanola, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. Hello. And um, yeah, so we're in the middle of August. We are facing another shutdown. Everyone is muzzled up. And um, this virus... Um, doesn't really seem very strong, first of all, John. No, it doesn't. It's, pandemic. It's, well, this is the amazing thing. Right today, now we're here in where we where we are today. Lee Offaly and Kildare have been locked down separately, individually, and uh, this is a kind of a new development. Which, of course, nobody in Ireland seems to notice that this has already been done elsewhere. So, like, it's clearly a, van, a global franchise that's been rolled out here. Mm -hmm. But it's like as if you know, Lee Offaly and Kildare, like something to do with. The conditions there of course it's nothing to do with the conditions there uh, if people you see this is this is the thing that really uh, frustrates me is that the evidence is entirely today it's overwhelming to show that this is a complete scam at this point mm -hmm. and yet nobody looks at the evidence yeah. the media are corrupt so they don't present the evidence but the evidence notwithstanding that is available to every single person easily at the couple of taps of, of, a, of a keyboard on to uh, YouTube or uh, you know a search on DuckDuckGo preferably or if you have to then Google uh, but uh, it's all there the evidence is absolutely overwhelmingly to the fact that there's no evidence mm -hmm. to justify for any of what's happening and yet the less evidence there is the more they ramp it up yeah and no and it's almost like they're doing it with smirking like saying Let, let's try this yeah let's yeah. try this because uh, they got away with the last round so easily and this is i think the the, the the extraordinary thing that here we have a situation now that like if you go back to march and they were talking about eighty-five thousand deaths and st patrick's day i think uh, mm -hmm. brad kerr said there was going to be eight eighty-five thousand deaths if they didn't lock down the country effectively and they locked down the country uh, on the 7th of April. But by then, all the deaths had almost happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, we were yeah. well into it. And certainly by the time that the first effect of a lockdown might have been measured, and the way you would do that is to say, well, from the point of infection to the point of uh, hospitalization to the point of ICU to the point of death, in the case where there were thousands, that's a, somewhere between, the totality of that is somewhere between three and four weeks. Okay. So therefore, from the first day of the lockdown to the first possible death that happened uh, in the context that would have been avoided by the lockdown, shall we say, mm -hmm. the first mm -hmm. effect of the lockdown in terms of showing up in the fatality figures. In other words, deaths that would have been happening, had there been no lockdown, would have been happening there. Yeah. That's the month. Yeah, yeah. And by then... The spike was way in the past. Sure. Yeah. It had gone. Yeah, and the, yeah, the yeah. pattern of the steer was up and down and gone. Yeah. And so there was no effect. It, it's demonstrable. And it's demonstrable everywhere. But the media are not any longer the media. Journalism is no longer journalism. Mm -hmm. This is the basic stuff that journalism will be doing charts there, saying, look, here you have the charts. The lockdown started on the 7th of, May, of April in Ireland. Uh, the spike of deaths uh, heard somewhere in the third week of April mm -hmm. to the height of it and it was gone down again by the by the first week of May and you would actually have to say that the first genuine effect of uh, the lockdown if there were to be any 
could not have manifested anywhere in Ireland before the 1st of May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was all over by then. It does seem like that because a lot of people were very sick in December. Mm. Very sick. Really noticeably had a cough or fatigue or wipeout. So it was like they got on the tail end of it. They heard about it three months later, hopped on the tail end of it. Then it was, the whole goal was flatten the curve, flatten the curve. So the curve's flattened and now we have more restrictions than ever. Yes. Like why are people wearing a mask in July? When you get ill in the winter, why are people wearing masks in the warmest part well, of the season? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly the whole thing about the masks, I mean, is completely fraudulent. Yeah. Utterly fraudulent. This guy, Luke O'Neill, who works in Trinity, has become the poster boy of the coronavirus tyranny. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, I think, February, on the Late Late Show, he clinically and unequivocally stated that masks had only one function, possible function that was if you had the virus you wore a mask you reduced the chances of your passing it off mm-hmm. that's the only possibility yeah there was no question he said you couldn't protect yourself from the virus with a mask that's right yeah. uh, and if you didn't have the virus uh, well, have the virus there was no point in wearing a mask yeah so people were walking i presume when people have a de- deadly virus they're going to know about it yeah this thing by the way Asymptomatic. I don't know about you. I never heard the word asymptomatic before the first of March. It's called healthy. Yeah. He's damn healthy. Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you. Like, has has anybody ever spoken in in all the years we've had the flu? I have the flu, but I'm asymptomatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you you never know. You had a dose. You had a dose (laughs) of the flu. You know, like this is just making up stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, just, but yeah. nobody sees it because the media, this is really shocking to me from all that. Like that, that the media, I used to be a journalist and I, like I knew like 20 years ago, we would have been all over this. Like we'd have seen it like that and we'd be doing charts and articles every day. But the media have been bought off. You yeah, see, yeah, we've yeah. got to understand this, that the media was, has been in decline now for uh, 15 years, mm-hmm. solidly. Yeah. And uh, they say that's to do with the internet. They claim that competition from the internet, and there's maybe some truth in that, mm. but it's only a part of the pa- of the picture, and it's not the larger part of it. In my view, what's actually happened to the media that they became dishonest, they became ideological, yeah. and they started promoting ideological campaigns, uh, gay marriage, and all that kind of stuff, attacking their own readerships, mm-hmm. attacking people who had different views, and dismissing them and calling them names. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm going to buy a newspaper every day and pay out two quid for it and take it into the cafe to read it. And I, after about a week of it attacking me and telling me I'm a reactionary or, or a homophobe or whatever, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to either buy a different newspaper or not buy any newspaper. Yeah. And that's what's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fundamentally, yeah. that's what's happened. But they attributed entirely to the, the, the effect of the online, of the yeah. internet. Sure. Uh, it's a marginal thing. But one of the things that's happened then, you see, is that the media have been saying to politicians well you know you need to protect us mm-hmm. because we protect you okay and so what you're actually getting now is you and they're quite barefaced about it the 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 uh secretary general secretary of the nuj national union of journalists in ireland there a few couple of months ago was calling on the government to take out more advertising in the media to uh, create kind of uh, 
voucher schemes so that people could buy subscriptions or tax relief for buying subscriptions to newspapers, all this kind of mm, stuff. Mm, mm. Essentially, they're saying... Forcing propaganda. Yeah, but, so there's, but the, the media are actually there for offering themselves to be bought yeah. by the government. Yeah, yeah, and clearly, yeah. they have been bought. I mean, RTE yeah. received 50 million extra uh, subvention in December last, just before this coincidentally mm-hmm. blew up, uh, over five years. Uh, so that's on top of the license fee, on top of existing subventions, and on top of, on top of advertising. They're getting fifty million from the government. Mm-hmm. So signs is on it. If you, I gather, if you turn on RT now, any channel, radio, television, uh, even Lyric FM, mm-hmm. uh, you hear nothing. Coronavirus, coronavirus, yeah. coronavirus, all the time. And that's how propaganda works. See, it's very important. People again, people have no idea. They think the reason that it's on all the time is because it's so urgent. Yeah, that's right. It's creating an emergency. No, it's the other way around. Mm. Propaganda works by by totalizing information, by the constant pummeling of people with the same message under different headings, different formats. So you have radio, television, cinema advertising, you have uh, uh, posters, you have uh, uh, leaflets, you have signs on the ground. It's everywhere. And, And that's to kind of drum it into your mind that this is the most important thing in your existence. And you see, I, I, this is stuff that, that has been around for a century. Uh, Edward uh, Bernays, who was the grandnephew of Sigmund Freud, wrote about this first in his book Propaganda in 1928, mm-hmm. about how propaganda w- works. And through the la- last century, and there were numerous works, studies of all this. But the amazing thing is how little is understood about this in the common cultural context. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not that surprising, given that if you if, if the public became aware of what media were doing to them, yeah. they would be copped on to media and therefore media have a vested interest in withholding this information. But it's it's actually that uh, there's a series of, of, of processes whereby uh, propaganda works on the person, which not alone convinces them, but actually turns them in a very short time into an evangelist. Mm-hmm. For the propaganda, mm-hmm. and you see this now very strongly. You know, when people are in shops now, there's if somebody's standing off the spot where you're supposed to stay, two, six, six feet, six yeah. feet, two yeah. meters, two meters, like people policing themselves, yes, that kind yes. of thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> there's so many things that publicly, culturally, we don't really understand, or that we that if we had understood it, would have prepared us for what's happening now. Yeah. And how much our subconscious mind can be impressed upon and quite easily through repetition. Yes, and and this would you even rate this as a, a trauma um, campaign, like an attempt to traumatize people? Oh yeah, like, it's a terror campaign for yeah. sure. It is. I mean, it, it it's it works on. See, it, I've I've written about this uh, um, as a form of mass hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, and and I've been using that for a few years in different contexts about the way that the referendums are ha- around run here in Ireland and the way the propaganda was rolled out there. And I was talking about propaganda and, and about hypnosis. And what I was, I was saying I, 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 that I was using it as a metaphor. And then I ran into a, a, an old friend who, in the time that we hadn't met, and we, it's been quite a few years, he'd changed careers, and he'd become his own hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, <laughs> I've been talking about hypnosis. I said, I don't know a huge amount about it, but I, I studied a bit. And it just seems to be an interesting metaphor for this. He said, oh, yeah, I'm aware of what you're saying. He said, and he says, you're, only, you're wrong about one thing. You're right about pretty much everything, he says, but you're wrong about one thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a metaphor. Okay. 
this is real, this is what they're doing. Yeah. What you're saying yeah. they're doing is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because there's a series of things where you kind of, it's, it, there's elements of, say, that you create a kind of a Stockholm Syndrome mm -hmm. thing, you yeah. know, whereby there's terror and there's there's fear, but there's also this kind of, we're all with you, we're in this together, yeah. and we're on your side, and we get through this now, you know, and, you know, don't worry, you know, once you do this, that'll be fine. Yeah. Flatten yeah. the curve. You go back to normal. Don't worry. Everything That's it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. then they suddenly review, reveal the next stage. Oh, well, it's now we didn't realize, and it's now the deaths have not gone down as we thought, or the there's more the yeah. renewal of cases. Nobody seems to think that actually you can create as many cases of coronavirus as you. That's want. correct. This PCR test is an interesting one, mm. right? So the person who invented it said it's absolutely not for viruses. It's a genetic material test, and it's just got a volume control. Yes. So you can turn that up at any time you want. So if you have, say, 100 people in a room, mm -hmm. and I say to you, you're going to do tests, I'd say, well, I need 60-40 positive. Mm -hmm. Could you get that by amplifying the material? Yeah. Or you could give me 90 to 10 negative, if I wanted that. That's right, yeah. So it's a complete fiddle, yeah. by definition. Definitely. Yeah. So what they're saying now, the testing is going up, and, and because it's testing, we have to close down a, a, a leash and off again to there. That's just a scam mm -hmm. in order to create the effect of that. The purpose of that is nothing to do with testing. It's nothing to do with health. It's actually the purpose of it is to shut down leash yeah. off again to there. Sure, sure. And sure. the purpose of that is to create tyranny. You see, like this has been the key. You know, it is. You know, I don't think. You see, we're a strange species, particularly in the mass communications age, whereby we no longer work, use our common sense. Mm -hmm. we, we use conventional wisdom instead. You know, the, the conventional wisdom uh, takes the place of common sense. Like if you think about our grandparents, our great-grandparents, if something was happening, they had word of mouth and they would hear bits and pieces and they would compare notes and then they would use their common sense to work out how grave or serious it was. Yeah. What actually happens now is people actually check everything against the media. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like for example, I'll give you an example. Uh, about two or three weeks ago, HICWA, the uh, uh, Health Investigation uh, Quality Association, I think they're called, they, they do all the kind of vetting of uh, um, situations to make sure that the, the standards are upheld within the health service. Mm -hmm. And they did a report which is really interesting. Like they look at this figure of 1,740 deaths at that point from uh, COVID-19. And they found that this figure had been overestimated to the tune of 60%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that brought the, the actual figure of deaths down to 10 to 1,072. And the Hickler report stated this absolutely clearly. Okay. And you can't actually say that the media didn't report it. They reported in a kind of in a minimalist way, mm -hmm. little reports. It's know, seven and a little yeah. snippet or something. Yeah, whereas somebody saying something about, oh, a child has, uh, their arm has fallen off because of COVID, that becomes like the banner, sure. even though actually they were in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the thing was that within days, a couple of days, if not hours, of that report, the HSE website, the RTE website, the gov.ie website, all the relevant websites that people might go to go for information had gone back to the 1740 figure. Uh -huh. So they just completely ignored their own report. Even their own stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So now the point about this is that, you see, like I said to my sister, 
But did you see that? Did you, did you see something about the hiccups? Oh yeah, I remember something about that. Mm -hmm. Well, do you realize what it means? It means that the figures were fraudulently constructed. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know, didn't know. Mm -hmm. See, so people... So you're presenting fact from a government agency. Yeah, but you see, it's so about emphasis. <laughs> yeah. It's about emphasis. Yeah. If you don't emphasize it again and again, because people are so used to the same message coming again and again and again, yeah. that they, there's a kind of a laziness that creeps yeah. in. You, say, yeah. you know what I mean? You half hear something on the news and say, oh, did I hear? You know, the president dropped out. You know, I must have misheard that. But then you hear it again. You say, oh, yeah, yeah, that must have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, so there's emphasis all the time. Hmm. And, and people always know it's a little bit like the syndrome now, which is affecting, and scientists have discovered this in relation to iPhones and, and you know, having smartphones in general, that because people have ready access to information, mm -hmm. they no longer feel any responsibility or onus to remember anything. Sure, uh, yeah. So it's like their brain, their phone is a part of their brain. Yeah. Literally, almost. Yeah. And yeah. so in the same way, people think the media will tell me if something is important. So therefore, if the media, are, 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 I seem to remember something about Hikwa saying something about the figure, the true figure for deaths actually being 1,072. But the gov.ie website and RT and the HST are saying 1740. So I must have got that wrong. Yeah. I didn't really you understand. You see, you see yeah. I'm not an expert. You know what sure, I mean? Sure. So, like this is the this is the, the expertise cult is really interesting, yes. and I know understand you know I mean the work you do like it's extraordinarily technical and amazing, in so many ways, and I mean I couldn't dream of of of, of learning it. I would take years of study. However, that's not to say that I don't know if what you'd say to me makes sense or not. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it does make sense to me when you tell me about some processes you're doing mm -hmm. now. The thing about it is, though, that people have this cult of the expert and they tell each other when you say something they don't want to hear. Oh, well, you're not an expert. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I am an expert in. Mm. This body, I've, been, I've uniquely been carrying it around for the past 65 years. And I'm an expert in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you may know about bodies in general, but you're not an expert in my body. Correct, yeah, of course. Well, they discount that. They discount their own experience and uh, their common sense and they allow the experts to tell them something which is manifestly nonsensical yeah. objectively nonsensical you know I mean there's been so many things you see the thing last week where they said that uh, oh it's just, uh, tall people people over six foot are especially susceptible to COVID-19 <laughs> yeah. you know I write something today uh, women with long hair is a new thing Oh, they need to cut their hair off because long well, hair can give them but, COVID. But hang on a minute, you see now. No, this is yeah. this is actually very interesting because we can actually laugh at that. Yeah. But within a week, somebody will be seriously proposing it. The hairdresser will be full. And here, people with long <laughs> hair will be spat at in the street. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I also think uh, like if if they what they say is true, well, then I think it's absolutely essential that we have a ban on high heel shoes, don't you? <laughs> Are like, wearing hats for the rest. Wearing, yeah. Oh, I wonder about the hat. Maybe the hat might protect you from those aerosol drops. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So long as it's covering you like a beanbag or something. That's an <laughs> interesting one. Now, yeah, then maybe we can have. We just uh, go those, the, the other people, the things that people wear for beekeepers. Beekeepers. Yes, yes. Would that yes, be a yes, good yes, yes, thing? Yes, yes. You know, maybe yeah. we should all get those. Well, with all the holes in it, it stops about as much virus as their as their surgical mask. 
Yeah, but uh, you see, if, I, I know a friend of mine does a, a YouTube thing and he, he, he constantly talks about the need for, for irony and satire. That's, that's the only weapon against this. Mm. But I say, nah, because you can't satirize this because mm. it's, it's post-truth. Yeah. So anything you think is a joke will become serious tomorrow. Yeah, 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 okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like if, you, if you were to say any of this to anybody six months ago, they would just say you're crazy. That's you know tinfoil hat merchants. Like yeah. come on, yeah. what lockdown? Yeah. People locked. It. Ah, you must be joking. Yeah, come on, you're crazy. But it's all happening. And look how quick it happened. And look how quick it happened. Wow, from February to March, how different this country became. Well, you know, I, I just saw saying that there this morning. I was out in this beautiful day, and you know, walking around Wexford and 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 uh, the sunshine, and thinking like it's like none of this is happening, right? And then you think, like, it's only a short few months ago since we lived in this country and we would have read Orwell and we thought, yes, that's mad stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now it's happening for yeah. real in our country. Yeah. And nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows. And most people don't even know it's happening. Yeah. And they dismissed it. They're, they're actually programmed to, to sneer, to attack somebody who says it's happening. Because yeah. I found this very interesting, actually. Although I do think it's changing now. So I, I, yeah. You know, I, I took, the, with Jim O'Doherty, I took this legal action in April to try and stop this lockdown thing. Yeah. Yeah. And to take a constitutional action which would kind of restore yeah. the constitution to what it says yeah. on the pages. Because I actually bought the constitution and read it. Hmm. I had one before, but I reread it. And I, I, found, I was looking for the part where it said, the government can like shred your civil liberties at will, whenever they feel. I, couldn't they I just couldn't find no, that no. part. No, no, no. Well, you see, <laughs> it wasn't actually wrote in the Constitution that the government can curtail or stop you of your liberties or your freedoms. It's amazing that so, so many few, so few people now seem to not be even aware of what the Constitution is and mm -hmm. what it does. I mean, the Constitution is the guarantor of your freedoms against mm -hmm. the government. Yeah, it's the That's, highest law of the land, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's the curtailment of the government, yeah. fundamentally. Yeah, yeah. Protect. It doesn't extend the rights to you. They are rights that you have. Yeah. It merely reminds the government of where the limits of its power are. Sure. And its power is entirely gleaned from the people. Yeah. And only in the most extreme circumstances can the government exceed the powers that the people give it. Yeah. Literally. And only for the shortest Short possible time. time. Otherwise, you're into martial law, I think. Yes, you are. Uh, I mean, the, the analogy. Law now? The analogy I use is like if there's a fire in a building and the fire brigade have to come and you, they go up to you, you're on the fourth floor in your, in your apartment or something, and they say, get out now. And like, they're not, you're not going to argue with them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to say, you better get out now. Yeah. And, and if, you, if some of them, if a fireman throws you over, he's shoulder <laughs> and starts carrying you down the stairs and you say to him when you get to the second floor actually my laptop is in there i wonder could we stop off yeah. he said are you crazy you shut up and just yeah. you know and he keeps moving now that's an abrogation of your rights but the purpose of it is greater yeah because it's, it's to save you and to save, yeah. yeah so it's, there's a question of proportionality and this is where the argument needs to happen but what they've done here is they've bypassed all provisions of the Constitution without proportionality, without due diligence, without evidence, yeah. without anything. Without any evidence? No. No evidence whatsoever. I wrote, I wrote the HC twice now looking for scientific data of any type. Can you show me anything? And nothing. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. They told me to go to the WHO 
and obviously I'm not going to a private limited company no. that's I don't pay these people any money to for my health. No, I don't pay anyone for my health. You're entitled to information health. from the HSE. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we sent them uh, for our before our case we sent them several dozen questions. Mm. No answer. No. Uh, and these are fundamental questions. They must have a responsibility for the people. I mean, we are paying their bill to look after the health service. Okay, it's a sham of a job. Well, but they should be able to reply. Okay, but you know, the thing is here, though, that you have to understand that all of this only works when everything works. Mm -hmm. A society only works if everything works. Right. And that means that from the bottom up, you need the people to be vigilant. Mm -hmm. You need the press to be vigilant. Yeah. Without those two ingredients, yeah. you can't count on anything yeah. because ultimately, a power that is not accountable corrupts. Mm -hmm. That's you know, power corrupts. Yeah. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. That's the Orwellian uh, concept, right? Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Now, what safeguards us against that is the the the, the, the vigilance of the press, mm -hmm. primarily, which informs the public. And therefore, the public are on their guard, yeah. you know, all the time. That's the way. It's now, when you corrupt the press, yeah. the whole thing falls apart because politicians will not be good by instinct or by conscience. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but that's the fact. This is experience of history. Yeah, they will yeah. corrupt. Yeah, and yeah, they will yeah. do bad things. It is not the goodness of politicians that keeps us, that protects us. Yeah. It is our own vigilance. Yeah, and when yeah, that's yeah. suspended, it's over. Sure, and that's where we are. There's, there's heavy suppression on people right now. Heavy, like yeah, yeah. so restrictive in Ireland right now. It's it's very dark. I mm. I, I mean and, and 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 also what it was what's very interesting about it is that it's ambiguous. This ambiguity. It's very clever. Mm -hmm. You've got to say that this is the, one of the most cunning pl plans that have ever been put together, mm -hmm. because it's essentially saying it's trying to take that model of the fireman throwing him over his shoulder and imply that that's what's happening. Yeah. But there's no fire. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no fire. Yeah. That's the difference. You see, what they're saying, well, we're protecting you. But the booby man. Yeah. And here you come back to this hypnosis. See, there's part of hypnosis that creates a kind of amnesia. Mm -hmm. It's a temporary amnesia where you just, you, you, you block out certain memories. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then you, so you block out the idea that, well, I didn't feel, like, for example, if you say to somebody, to most people, how many people do you know who've died of coronavirus? Mm -hmm. I know zero. Zero. Yeah. Nobody knows anybody. No. No. Do you know anybody who has coronavirus? No. No. You see, and <laughs> I, I, I point, when somebody says I'm talking to this, no, rarely I get involved in arguments with people on the street, but sometimes I do, and I say, I, say, I point to a window. See that window on the second floor? If there was a pandemic, there would be an old lady dying in that room. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And there would be a crowd gathered around their door, her neighbours and her friends, mm -hmm. waiting for her to die. And over in that house there, there would be a hearse outside. Mm -hmm. And there would be an ambulance coming down that street. That's what I... That's, yeah. These are the... Uh, the like visible, the plague, like. Yes. Yeah. These are the signs of... There's nothing like that. No. There's nothing. No, uh, there's no fire. All I see is healthy people around on a lovely sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> Where they should be, yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, so many people are locked, cooped up in their houses. Yeah. So particularly old people, I think there will be deaths yeah. of people who've whose uh, immune. You you know a lot more about this than I do, but I, I I suspect that from the little I do know about immune systems, that if you're not particularly when you're older, if you're not boosting that immune system with vitamin D and yeah. and and uh, uh, you know fresh air, that's right. That 
it's going to weaken yeah. and come the winter. And being in touch with nature is yeah. so important. And humans, we're social creatures. We need to be interacting with each other well, there physically. Was a, there was a very interesting, and one of the best analysis I've seen of the whole thing was an American doctor called uh, Dennis uh, Rancourt. Uh, I've watched a hell of a lot of videos in the last uh, four months, five months. Yeah. Some of them very long ones and worthwhile, and most of them very worthwhile. But this one was 15 minutes long, and it's the most, I think, uh, dynamic uh, video I've seen on this question. Because he does a number of things. First of all, he explains the mechanics of the, uh, the virus. This idea that it's, it's, a, it's a deadly disease, deadly disease, deadly disease. Mm -hmm. He's just saying, no, what it is is that if you're a person who is immunodeficient, you have a, a, a diminished immune uh, system. Uh, if you suffer from maybe one or two or three different comorbidities, heart disease, blood pressure, uh, respiratory, whatever it would be, uh, uh, diabetes, your immune system is all the time working over time mm -hmm. to suppress these conditions. Then you get a bug, a virus. The immune system, this is my extrapolation, it deflects to deal with the virus. Yeah, yeah. And the other conditions begin to flare up. Working, yeah, yeah. And that's why fundamentally older people get it. It's not that it's a deadly disease of itself. If a 30-year-old, uh, you know, uh, uh, weightlifter who goes to gym bunny gets it, he or she may not even know. Mm. It's gone before. It's a sniffle. It's a slight yeah. kind of runny nose. It's a maybe a headache or something uh, for for twenty four hours, mm -hmm. and it's gone. So it's not a deadly disease. It's a factor. It's actually in the context of the comorbidity, and this has always been true. Yeah. In relation to those kind of categories of person and say the flu, people died every year. Yeah. But nobody noticed before because nobody wanted to to weaponize this yeah. as as an instrument of tyranny. Yeah. And that's the difference here. So that's the first thing that, that uh, uh, Dr. Rancourt states. But then he does something really amazing. Because one, this is, I, I'm sure this has struck you as well, and it's, but it certainly struck me when I started looking at, there's a site called Euromomo, which is European Mortality Rates. And it's a fascinating site because it goes back over the years. And you see these, you know, uh, what they call spikes, mm -hmm. for, usually for the flu. H1N1 or whatever, you know, there might be two flus, but there's two, so there's two sets of, but they're effectively like a mountain range over, say, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, right? You've got this, where in the early part of the year, uh, January, February, they're high, and they're sort of plateauing, and then it goes up a little bit, and then it goes down a bit, and then it might go up again, and it's literally like a mountain, like the Pyrenees or something like that, and then it almost fades out in the summertime. And then in late, in November, early December, it starts to climb again. Mm -hmm. And that's the up. Yeah. Now, they're not actually spikes, as I say, until you get to 2020 and COVID. Yeah. And what do you see? You see a spike. It's incredible. It's actually a clean, symmetrical spike. Yeah. Literally like a bicycle pointing upwards. Uh-huh. And he, Dr. Rancourt explains it. He says, what is this? He says, it's deaths in nursing homes okay. and he says it started pretty much across the entire western world in america in europe in ireland wherever it started in or around the beginning of the last week of march that's yeah. when it started to go up it's yeah. this clean and yeah, this yeah, clear yeah. 
Then it goes up in a straight line, mm -hmm. literally as if it's aiming like a, a like a rocket going up into the sky, and it peaks somewhere between the middle of April and the beginning of the last week in April. So it's kind of like between say April fifteenth and April twenty third, twenty fourth. Mm -hmm. That's the variation, and there's very little more variation than that. Yeah, and then it starts immediately. It's literally a point. Yeah. And it comes right down in the same way, quite symmetrically, and it ends somewhere around May the 5th. Right. Yeah. And he said, okay, what is this? Yeah. Well, he says, this is the period in which the panic started. Old people were locked into homes. Yeah. The doors and windows were closed. Yeah. There was no air. There was no sunlight. They were denied the company of their friends and mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were frightened. Yeah. They were panicked. They were stressed. They were told they had a deadly disease, mm -hmm. and yet they weren't. If they got ill, they weren't sent to a hospital. Right. I'll add, many of these would have been religious people. They couldn't see a priest. Yeah. They yeah. thought they had a deadly disease. They were told they had a deadly disease, but still nobody would get them a priest. Right. What would that do to the sensibility of a religious person? Mm -hmm. What who has been told by these same priests and bishops that if you don't get uh, holy orders before death? You, you you go to purgatory or maybe to hell or I don't know what the hell yeah, but this yeah, stuff right yeah, yeah, and then the yeah, same yeah, priests yeah. sit in their palaces mm -hmm. same bishops sit in their palaces drinking their brandy mm -hmm. while these people are dying that's the hothouse where this happened those homes yeah, yeah. that's this and that's the terror campaign because they knew this was going to happen uh, how many of them John do you reckon had a flu vaccine last year Oh, I would say 90%, maybe more. Maybe more. And, and when you actually look at the categories, the other category which had the flu vaccine overwhelming would have been health workers. Yeah. And there's been a high attrition rate among health workers, yeah. not of death, but of, of, of actual infections. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've seen uh, um, uh, some witness from nurses in the system, uh, not in Ireland, but in America and in uh, United Kingdom where they describe in most graphic terms some of the things that were happening in nursing homes. This is a global phenomenon. Mm, yeah, I, I actually wrote an article about this. Uh, I have to, it's almost like prophetic now. And I, it was published on the 18th of March because I was at that point picking up. It's amazing the old culture will tell you things if you're listening. I mean, I'm trained to kind of, that's what I do. I listen to kind of what the, it's like putting your ear to the ground, you know, and hearing the tom-toms. Mm -hmm. And I kept coming across these sentences by doctors in different contexts and journalists saying things like, well, it'll be only old people that's going to die, you know. And there was an article in the Daily Telegraph by a guy called Jeremy Warner, who actually said quite starkly, oh, well, one of the benefits of the COVID, of the coronavirus thing will be that it will kill off a lot of the older people. And will have a good effect on um, you know pensions on the, the economy and all yeah, those sorts yeah. of sorts. Uh, yeah. human beings lives yeah, yeah. Well, and he said well you know, this is an economistic yeah. analysis yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no such thing as an economistic analysis other than a demonic one yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you know yeah, so yeah. so but then you see but I've seen evidence I mean I saw one that oh unbelievably heartbreaking uh, uh, video with a nurse from a nurse and evidence from a nurse and she she couldn't get she almost didn't get through it she was weeping throughout it she was describing how a colleague of hers told her that in her in the home she was working in the instruction was nil by mouth for for many patients they were not to be resuscitated they were not to be given any yeah. uh, uh, food or water yeah. they were to be allowed to die yeah. 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 and yeah. 
she said they used to go back into the home at night and feed the new patients with baby food. Like, this is, and you see, again, this is the point, you know, about I used to be a journalist, and this is the obscenity of journalism. Mm. That, that wasn't done in a newspaper, that yeah. was on the internet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. 20 years ago, that would be. Yeah, that, that's what journalism is yeah. for. That's yeah. what journalism Like, right. I'm, actually, it's funny, it's interesting you say that because. Because I, I, I wrote this article in, in the middle of March, I'm warning about this and talking about that it seemed to be a shift I noticed in the culture. The other way you can feel things in yourself mm-hmm. and, and in your own attitudes. And I'm in the strange position where I've kind of just crossed the threshold into that category now. Into six, I'm over 65 now in May. So I was, I suppose, I was particularly alert to this. But at the same time, I was kind of registering in myself certain prejudices which seem to have erupted in the culture and I remember because I was ill the last couple of years I spent a lot of time in different hospitals both in Ireland and in Spain and I'd be there in a corridor sitting waiting for an appointment waiting to see a consultant or whatever and an old a, 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 you know a gurney would be wheeled down and it would be a very old person in it and I, I was I used to feel something and it was something like I, you won't see this for very much longer. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling mm-hmm. that 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 this belonged to an earlier age, where people valued people were valued for the unique dignity of each person, from conception to natural death. Mm-hmm. That was an, an implicit understanding, not just of medicine but of culture, and I knew it had gone. Yeah. 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 And I said, "Wow, well, isn't this a lucky woman? They're still looking after her." She looked like maybe 92 or whatever. Yeah, she's yeah. very frail. I said, Isn't it beautiful? This was in Spain now. I didn't see it in Ireland so much. Yeah. But in Spain, they still have this very small, it, it won't last. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking about this. And I, I think this is all happening. People are now quite matter of fact about stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, well, he's had a good innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you know, yeah. you know I, it's I a great age. 90 is a great age. I think we saw it in 2008 when the first thing the government went for were the pensions. Yes. That's when I realised that we, they were not, they, they felt like the older generation was a burden and they just have to pay their way out. Yeah, the, 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 but some, that, that goes to a, such a big thing, you know, which I, I don't yet have all the answers for. Or my imagination has not fully yeah. enveloped it, which is when I look at a figure like Hall Martin, and try to figure what out is that, yeah. what is going on in his head. Yeah. Because essentially now he is stepping into the role in Irish Ireland 2020 of our Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. That's the role he has mm-hmm. agreed to, to inhabit. Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and We're living in fascism right now. We are. Yeah, we are. this is it. While they're calling everybody fascists. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, this, but this is it. Yeah, you know? well, that's it. I mean, how do you know fascist? He's the one shouting fascist. <laughs> so. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> else, you know. Uh, like, but this is something that, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, you see, I've been saying for years about the, what's happened to the Irish political class, which is that they're acting out within an, a system of political theatre Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, elections, uh, up Fianna Fáil, up Fianna Fáil, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like as if it's the same thing as, you know, up Dev, up Dev, mm, yeah. but it's actually not, yeah, yeah. this is a theatre now, yeah. 
It doesn't mean anything. It's hollowed out. Yeah. Because yeah. these guys, once the election is over, they step back into their part, into their rooms, mm -hmm. and they're no longer representative of the Irish people. Yeah. They are representatives of an entirely different community, uh, of the United Nations, European Union, corporate America, mm -hmm. uh, all these entities. Mm. World Health Organization is now loomed large in that whole yeah. thing as well. But they're all interlinked. Yeah, and they're, they're all controlled by those few families and yeah. those and, and then And then if you want to go beyond it, there's probably, yeah, the powerful, whatever you want to call it, the elite, the Illuminati, the New World Order, the the cult, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I... I Just I, a bunch I, of sick dudes with a load of money. Well, yeah, <laughs> and if you wanted the evidence of that, which it sounds improbable, then you, all you have to do, well, if you some say to me, that's all nonsense, I'd, well, okay, Bill Gates. Yeah. Like, why is Bill Gates an electronic uh, uh, speculator a telling us now about our health yeah. like without anybody say, uh, saying to yeah him, he, you're not an expert that's a software you're not guy, an doctor yeah, talking yeah. viruses but suddenly he's allowed on everywhere and it's like yeah. he's telling us whether we should have vaccines or not or what we should do like but nobody thinks that's strange you're because he's been kind of ordained with godliness yeah yeah or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so, but there was a very startling, funny, uh, uh, I know this is, when we're doing this interview, this very morning, as in response to the Leash Offaly lockdown, and the extraordinary figure of Charlie Flanagan, the former Minister of Justice, mm -hmm. who spent most of the last year acting the fascist himself, mm -hmm. threatening people with uh, uh, hate speech legislation. Yeah, that guy, okay. I know yeah, that and threatening yeah. to lock up people who didn't shut their mouths yeah. when Charlie said so. Yeah. Yeah. And who was sat at the, the government, at the cabinet table in March, when all of this was orchestrated and agreed, and put through the jaw, draw, the doll corruptly, uh, through the offices of the Cancorla, and so on. And Charlie Fagan now this morning is a reporter saying that the imposition on Healy Shoffley is draconian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what's happened there, Fumar? What's actually happened is that he's now, because he didn't get into the cabinet, mm -hmm. He's kind of a bit sick and sore and tired. Now he's the opposition. Now he's gone back to representing the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the yeah. people are allowing him to do it. Yeah. Instead of getting their hay forks out and driving Charlie Flanagan back to Dublin and yeah. saying, now stay there. Yeah. Because that's where the only place you belong. You don't belong here among us. You see, this what, is... What happens to politicians? They go from normal human beings to something anti-Irish, if I yeah, yeah. say that, yeah. I feel like the current governments of the last 10 or 12 years are anti-Irish. Oh, I agree with you. I, I, I mean, in a very certain, in a very particular context, in the only ways that matter in terms of Ireland's capacity to be itself, they're against all of that. And that's, of course, the same thing as these outsiders are against, because that is a kind of a glue that unites the people and the place. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing they want. They've been they spent many decades trying to weaken that. Yeah. I mean, if you actually think in Ireland, like they they the troubles for all. I mean, we could talk about all the other aspects of the troubles, but certainly one of the key elements of the trouble troubles in the Republic of Ireland, uh, in cultural terms, was the absolute the, the absolutely causing that glue to run and to become completely to lose all of its heating. Apologies. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the period, of, uh, by the time the, new, the Good Friday Agreement came about in 1998, uh, the numbers of people who still had a profound attachment to Ireland mm -hmm. was very small. Mm -hmm. People didn't know what you were talking about any longer when you say, 
this is my country, I love my country. They'll say, oh, well, like you see Mio Martin telling us that, you know, sovereignty is an outdated concept. Mm -hmm. Who gave him the authority to say exactly. such a thing? Exactly, he's talking to Drunker, the Dunker, the Drunker and the yeah. dog. But he, he was never, he never ran an election on that, that, that slogan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like, a backward way of thinking. Yes. Sovereignty. But you see, Could he kiss ass anymore? Well, you see, but, but you see, there's so many things in here which are deep, complex culture questions. Because there's, you see, there's an amazing, you see, that tribal thing is so strong in, in, in Ireland. It's been so useful to the political parties, particularly Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, that there was always something like 60% of the base, the grassroots of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, for years, until recently, which would support them on to onto death, mm -hmm. no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. the first time you saw signs of that that breaking was in the two thousand eleven elections, right? Where the, as a result, following on from two things, well, the, the the collapse of the economy in two thousand and eight, and the the absolute uh, you know repugnance of people against Fianna Fáil, that really damaged there. But, but the second factor was that younger people were not being inculcated into that culture so much anymore and didn't really understand it and that's probably a virtuous thing uh, on balance certainly when you see the capacity of these people now to sell out i mean there's so many things you know it's so there's so many things which you know are hilarious in some respects you know i mean i i'm like i'll give you an example of uh, Fianna Fáil i mean i'm not people think because i've written sympathetically about Fianna Fáil and different culturally going back 30 years from a particular perspective, because Fianna Fáil were, were, were being demonised as, as, as though as if they were something different to them and Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael and Labour, and that these guys were clean, fearing heroes and, and Fianna Fáil were... And that was really kind of a cultural prejudice based on the fact that Fianna Fáil were mainly a rural grassroots party. Mm -hmm. And of course they had been on the Republican side in the, in the Civil War and, and that was something which was anathematized by the Dublin elites uh, at the time. Uh, uh, but I, I, I was born into a Fine Gael family, as you, you know, you know, like it's there's a kind of a, a joke, you know, about that in America, about the Republicans and Democrats, and these two guys are talking, and they're, they want to say to the other, well, what, what's your politics? And, and you know, it's like, well, I'm a Democrat. Mm. Uh, how come you're a Democrat? Well, my, my daddy was a Democrat, and my granddaddy was a Ridiculous, you know. It's just like if your if your daddy was a horse thief, or your granddaddy was a horse thief, and mm. your great granddaddy was a horse thief, you know, would that mean you're going to be a horse thief? <laughs> no, sir. I'd be a Republican. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and, and uh, so it's the same in Ireland. Uh, but I was on the Fine Gael side. But I found it interesting as in years ago to write about this as to kind of as it were to cross the road and look at the other side of this divide and. Because then look at, at the, the sense in which we were in, growing up, we grew up with this kind of hatred of the other side. Mm -hmm. And I started writing about Fianna Fáil then in, the, in, a, in a different way. And, and as a result of that, Fianna Fáil grassroots be, became very attractive to me and became, you know, anywhere I went, like, they would want to talk to me, you know? Yeah. And then this really interesting thing happened in about 2013, 
I didn't know this. I, I wasn't really paying attention at this, but I, I was invited two years in a row. I was invited to the Fianna Fáil Ardesh to speak. Mm -hmm. Now that had never happened before. And this yeah. happened under Micheál Martin. And there was Sean Horgan was his uh, PR guy who was a homosexual man. Yeah. And this is when they were preparing for the gay rights, the gay mar marriage thing. Yeah. And what I discovered was that my function was to have a meeting to attract all the traditional grassroots of Fianna Fáil into one room. Uh -huh. So they could bring all bring in all the new uh, Johnny Come Lately trendies into another and vote on gay marriage. Right, 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 right. So that's what they were doing, you know? They were basically that's subverting sinister, subverting their own party right. and using me. And I, I didn't see it. Yeah. It took me it was months afterwards I figured it out. Because, right, right. uh, uh, you know, uh, I was happy to do it because I liked those people. Like, I yeah. mean, because when I was growing up, even though I wasn't one of them, I found them absolutely great people. Yeah. Decent people. Yeah. Beautiful people. Sure, sure. Uh, and uh, it was nothing to do with the institution of Fianna Fáil, or not much, I don't think. I was never interested in any of that. But so well, all of that has changed now. And what you actually, when you look at someone like me, Martin, you've got to remember he's the leader of Fianna Fáil, he's the teacher. It means nothing. These are just labels now. Yeah. He's now the instrument of an occupation yeah. of Ireland. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. presiding over the occupation of his own, the reoccupation of his own country. And it's not even his country. He doesn't think of it as his country. No, it's Europe, apparently. Yeah, whatever. He, I mean, you yeah. see, the thing about there's an interesting thing that's happened there, parallel to that, which explains the wider phenomenon, I think, which is that the Celtic Tiger made everybody more prosperous allegedly then it made them more poor but yeah. it, it 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 certainly shifted their their interest i mean up to that point i'd say the mid 90s irish people weren't that interested in money no they wanted to get by yeah get enough to get by but the main thing was to create a, a life that was decent and and good i think we like to enjoy life yes have fun yeah and look Some after your own people and, and yeah. yeah but then you see in the Celtic Tiger, money became the measure of all things. Yeah. And the thing about it is that, and that's what this explains a lot of what's going on now. If you have a, that kind of mentality, what you do is you make money today, no matter what's going on. Because you have a sense or you have a feeling, even though it's entirely wrong, that this will in some way underwrite you against the consequences of the bad stuff that may be happening. Mm -hmm. If you keep making money, yeah. you're going to keep yourself above the water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. Because the money will collapse. The yeah. money is just paper. Yeah, of course. And and but that's what's happening. People are they're they're taking it's not that they don't know. I mean I think that there is this sense in which uh the unconscious knows. Yeah, I definitely think so, yeah. You think? Yeah, I do. And it, and that's what no yeah. matter what's happened, your soul just knows when something feels right or doesn't feel mm. right. Um, and I think people will just keep going until they're made uncomfortable enough to change. No one's going to change unless they're uncomfortable. Yeah, and I, I think that explains the, the strong reaction of the people that don't hear. It's like it's like a child, you know. You know, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not yeah, listening, I'm not yeah. listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. You know, like the people don't want to hear you, see, and they, they want to get, they, they will jump at any, you know, for the last two, when we took our case in April, uh, for about through all through the rest of April, May, June, up to the middle of July, probably approximately, I couldn't go anywhere in Dublin 
without being shouted at right. every couple of minutes. And, and usually it was a certain category of person. It was almost always males. Right. They were almost always between, say, mid-twenties, probably not much younger generally, mid-twenties and I would say mid-forties. Right. So it's kind of like what you would like to think about, that the, they're the most, uh, what would you call it? Uh, fertile category of males in the country. You know, right. they're, they're the, the, the you would have like the most manly, the most uh, you know the ones who are likely to become fathers sooner if they're not already fathers. Mm-hmm. What was that for? They were completely emasculated by the whole lockdown thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their their manhood was completely undermined. Yeah, uh, like they couldn't any longer feed their families without assistance from the state. Yeah. They couldn't move around with their children in the back of the car without being accosted by guards and told to go home. Yeah. yeah. Leave the beach, leave the park, whatever, all that. They're being shamed, humiliated all the time. The only opportunity to assert their manhood was when they saw me yeah. and they could assert some obscenity at me from the bicycle. They, they, they suddenly took to these bicycles, a lot of them, you know, again. And this is an amazing part of it, which I don't yet understand. I mean, down where we live in Dunleary, in Dublin, they're, they're, they're basically, uh, there's a whole, the road that, that we're on like has been divided in two and half of it is now a cycle lane. Right. And it's like, it's like a, a sports track, you know? Yeah. It's not just like space for cycles, it's like yeah. gravel, especially gravel and all this stuff, non-skid and all this and lines and yeah. bars and, uh, you know, a big beam in the middle of the road dividing the cars from the bicycles. And so there's something going on there. Uh, but the, to go back to the, the this is all kind of connected, that people are uh, distracted from the reality and they, from the reality that they know in their hearts, mm-hmm. let's say their hearts, or their subconscious, or their gut, if you like, there's something wrong, but they can't bear to look at it mm-hmm. because it's too unthinkable. Yeah. It's too big a concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think, yeah. yeah, and they yeah. feel powerless. Yeah. And I, people I do ask me this, is there anything, how, what can I do? I mean, I had a very interesting correspondence with a man, farmer from Tipperary in the last couple of weeks. And he clearly had just kind of cottoned on to something seriously. And he was still yeah. saying to me, which irritated me at first, he'd give me the exercise, well, it's just like, you know, 30,000 people die in every, can die in Ireland every year. There's been like a thousand deaths, according to Hikwe, from this. Like, why, why, is, why are we closing down the country? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the, the, the excess deaths is less than zero. You know, mm. we're, we're, we're lower than we were last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So less deaths this year than last year. Yeah. Okay. The first five months. Uh, we're in a deficit of bodies here. Well, this is the amazing thing that they, they, in the last, in the first five months of, of 2020, there were 681 deaths less than in the same period last year. So there was a pandemic last year and we didn't know. Right, right, right. Oh, we're, mi- we're minus a pandemic yeah, this year, yeah, if anything. We are, yeah. We're yeah. in the minus here. Yeah. So, well, this guy, and he was kind of waking up, and I gave him a few links and, and, and things to watch, and he'd come back every day and say, oh, I can't really handle this. You know, I, I, I don't have time, and I, you know, I, I'm just concerned. I have two little girls, and, and I can't bear this, you know. And, uh, mm. and then he eventually says to me, Is there, like, I don't want to protesting I'm not good at that I'm busy you know mm-hmm. what should I, I can, is there anything I can do and I said to him well what you do is you don't do things mm-hmm. you don't do things that offend your self-respect mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you they tell you to do something that doesn't make sense, the purpose of them telling you that is precisely that it doesn't make sense, and you're doing it will humiliate you in your own eyes, mm-hmm. and that's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. or when you get, they get you to say, I mean, when you. It's the same thing as they did with the gay marriage thing. Like, if you get to say, well, marriage is, can be between anybody and anybody, then they get you to say something that in your gut you really don't believe. And so you demean yourself and you devalue your own sense of your own integrity. And the same with it to get you to wear a mask, which you know to be actually harmful to your health mm-hmm. and which also obscures your face and turns you into a basically, I mean, it's basically like breaking in a horse. Mm-hmm. That they put on the harness yeah, and you yeah, submit. The, the, the bridle and bit, you know, yeah. they, it breaks you. Yeah. you break. After a week, you're walking with your head down, not yeah. even making yeah. eye contact. And I yeah. said, don't do that stuff. And certainly don't let your children do it. Okay. And, and, you know, and, and that goes to everything. But I was quoting this guy, uh, Vassal Havel, the Czech uh, philosopher and uh, dissident during the 70s and 80s, who was instrumental in bringing down the communist regime there after 40 years in Czechoslovakia. And he talked about what he called the power of the powerless. And that's just, it's literally, you know, the, it's the power we all have. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimately the power that led to the collapse of communism, which, cause which came about through the, in, in Prague, with one million people going off the streets of Prague one night in November 89, and that was the end of communism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, was the, it was the fact that all those people did that, and that their fact that they left their houses and went out and just stood there, that was enough. Sure. Now, but in each time, so when it comes to that, you go into the shop and they say you have to wear a shop, uh, uh, you've got to wear a mask, and you say, no, I don't. Well, then you can't shop at all in that case, thank you very much, I'll shop yeah, somewhere else. Yeah. And you just don't do that. Uh, and Havel talked about this, he said, he, he described what he, he, he talked about this, uh, thing he's seen in, in a greengrocer's shop window uh, as he's walking along in the height of communism and he said in the middle of the vegetables there's a sign which said workers of the world unite and he said he knew that the greengrocer didn't believe this yeah. didn't yeah. want to have it there yeah. but he was doing it for a quiet life yeah. and he said yeah. therefore the power of the powerless is the greengrocer not to have that sign there yeah, yeah. not to acquiesce yeah yeah, yeah. Ac- absolutely those little things that we can all be doing yeah and acquiesce is a, a new word i've come across but it's yeah, like use it a yeah lot. that's yeah. right isn't it yeah but it's just um permitting this to continue and yeah and not silently going along with it yeah. even though you know in your gut that it's something there's something terribly wrong sure sure uh, and it's about your own integrity and about being sovereign to who you are Exactly. And I think it's even on an individual level that if more people are sovereign to who they are, then we can we can overthrow this tyranny because at this point I think the system has to collapse. Because the direction it's going in, I don't think it's fixable. There's there's no party you can vote oh. for in Ireland that's for the people. Oh well I well, let's say okay, well let's let's kind of think about that because there's two possibilities yeah. right here. One is that they succeed, which is unthinkable. Which is goodbye, yeah, really. Yeah, it's goodbye. Yeah. yeah. But if they don't succeed, then there can be no going back yeah. to these people. That's right. Michael Martin can never show his face again. Yeah. Bradker can never show his face again. Yeah. Should we have Harris. a penalty for the oh, treachery should, to this degree? There should be a, 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 a tribunal of, of the entire with, five with, people. with with sanctions, a tribunal with the capacity to impose penalties, mm-hmm. which could possibly include exile. Yeah. Which certainly would include, I think, confiscation of. 
properties. Yeah, or, or, or any or any money from anyone from yes. Ireland, no pensions, none of yes, this crap. Yes, right? I think that that's the level that we're at. Yeah, there's no way that we can let Mio Martin, who has done what he's done this week, in terms of Alicia Nathalie, and even that alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He can never govern in this country again. Yeah, no when, way. Once no. we restore. And democracy. he's been a part of this for years. Yes, because democracy, this is the key thing, that, in, to put it in stark language. Democracy has been suspended since last March. That's right. So we're not in... We're not, not that we had democracy anyway. Not that we had democracy anyway. <laughs> but yeah. what little we had, supposedly, it's gone. Well, th I suppose you, what you would say is that there was a pretense which was leading up to this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those of us who had felt for a long time that the vote was just a tokenistic... I mean, I, I actually do think now that probably our elections have been fixed for maybe 20, 25 It only years. occurred to me we still use pencils. Yeah. So of course they're fixed. Mm. We're still using pencils. That's a little easy, isn't it? Yeah, the, the reason for that was it doesn't really... It is, it is actually supposed to be a, an indelible pencil. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is that it, in, in, a, in the case of a, a flood affecting the the town centre. Right. That the votes would still be there. Whereas with a barrel or a pen they wouldn't okay. the ink would flow. That's yeah. the theory. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a bit tense. Just on I mean mm, uh, we're yeah. using pencils to vote here, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they are I think you're right, but they are actually just ordinary pencils. But they're yeah. supposed to be indelible pencils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, but they, 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 they I would say that, you know, when you actually think back to say the European elections uh, of what year was it? 2016, was it? Um, where Francis Fitzgerald got 22,000 votes. This former disgraced minister. Mm -hmm. like, like, there's no earthly way that she got 2,200 votes. Mm -hmm. Unless mm, people in Dublin are completely crazy. Mm. And she got 22,000 votes. Like, that's, that's what I think, you know, that, that this has been a theatre of pretense. Of democracy mm -hmm. for a very long time, mm -hmm. and you know we all have, including myself, have to warm up to our, uh, being to some extent participants in it, and that we took it seriously for a long time. It took, you know, you know, it, it was such a kind of seamless evolution from democracy or something approximating to that, which I think we probably had. Certainly, we had it in the sense that there was a vibrancy. First of all, I think there was, a, in Ireland of, our, of my youth, say, in the 60s, 70s, there was the most overwhelming sense in Ireland was that nobody outside was in the slightest bit interested in us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They didn't want anything we had. Yeah. Um, they liked to come and just have a few pints and have the crack and all that, but that was it. Yeah. But that changed sometime around 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. It radically changed. It changed with the Celtic Tiger. And suddenly the tax uh, situation, the, the, the 12.5% corporation tax rate, and other aspects, they began to see, the outsiders began to see, powerful outsiders began to see that Ireland had a lot of um, benefits to them, not just the tax thing and the corporate presence and all that, and the, but you create a kind of a petri dish experiment for all of the such a things they want to roll out because mm -hmm. you see they, you know we realize that they've been experimenting in China for a long time and mm -hmm. uh, with the view to exporting this to Europe and America yeah there's this social control system that they, they have invented and, and which work on the basis of a score that you get at the end of the year January the first you start off with 100 points 
And if you're a good citizen, you get a PR plus. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a good citizen, you get minuses. And at a certain point, it could be minus 50. Or if you get down, dip down to 50, you go to the airport with your tickets to go to the... Uh, on our summer holidays in the same... Hmm, sorry it says here that you don't have a sufficiency of points to mm-hmm. travel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, you can't get on the plane. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's going to be the power. It's happened faster than you think. This is Well, I, I, I only wrote about that six months ago yeah. in, in the context of experiment in China and what the possibilities might be to how it would translate into Ireland yeah. and, and you mean when you write this there's a part of you that's thinking or was at this time this is crazy I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm mad this is too far altogether. Uh, yeah, yeah this is, this is, fan- this is yeah. fantasy <laughs> yeah. it was all too real it's coming very quick and I think yeah. that the Covid tracer things that people are downloading themselves onto their apps yeah, this thing. This is just a step into that. It's a step forward into that sort of a system. That's what I mean about the, that. Mm. They discovered that technology. Something about technology alerted them that people were prepared to trade all kinds of things yeah. in return for electronic baubles. Yeah. You yeah. know. Whatever the hell this is doing to people. Yeah. But it has them completely transfixed, and perhaps it is sending messages to the pineal gland. But it's like they can completely control these people. Yeah, because if you were to say to, to to people 30 years ago, well, you know, I can invent a thing like a mobile phone uh, that will you have it and you give up your privacy. Yeah. And say, you must be joking. Yeah. Yeah. Of course yeah. not. I wouldn't yeah. do that. But they have. Absolutely. And they think there's nothing. They're actually saying that, well, I don't have anything to hide. Oh, yeah, I know. I hear this all the time. Yeah. yeah. Because I have a treatment room, I don't allow smartphones in it for a number of reasons. But one is that sure everyone in the world can listen in then. <laughs> yeah. That's partly of it. So the security and whatnot, but it's the frequency that actually, you know what's more of eight years ago when I started when you asked people to turn their phone on silent, it was on silent. Then when the smartphones came in, silent meant it'll beep every few minutes. Yeah. So the silent became something else. And now off just means silent. Do you know the the yeah. meaning of the word has even changed? The off is like how would you even turn your phone off? Well, that would be such it's, ridiculous. It's a form of death, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, isn't it? You know, and it's like, are you expecting calls in this hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't do that here, you know? Yeah. Um, because I, I, I see how transfixed people are with it, and it's like, um, well, I, I know it's designed to give you dopamine boosts, right? So they're designed to do that. So you're always topping up every time you get a ding, or every time you get a reply, yeah. you're getting another Just, dopamine. That's right. Or, you know, you see the number of likes you have on a tweet, yeah. or whatever it so is. Yeah, so TikTok is known for this. But when you start off getting you loads of likes because it gets you into that thing and gives you that dopamine hit. So you'll keep going back to it for more dopamine. Yeah, there's definitely something. And you know, that's an interesting, I was re, it was a guy, it's an American guy whose name escapes me now, but he's been talking about this thing, the, the, the addiction, which mm-hmm. is an addiction also to being unpleasant. Yeah. You know. That Twitter is vile. It's a kind it? of a license yeah. to be unpleasant. the nicest person in the world, you become sort of nasty yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah, and that people's personalities are actually changing in real time and in real life yeah. as a result of being on Twitter for so much. And then yeah. that they're actually... I think you can actually see this with... Uh, this is a little bit controversial, but Donald Trump. Uh, now, it's a bit complicated, but there's something in it. If you look back at Donald Trump's... Uh, I'm a fan of Donald Trump, by the way. I think mm-hmm. he's a very smart guy. Yeah. Uh, but if you look back at his very early interviews that are on YouTube, and in his early 30s, mm-hmm. they're absolutely stunning because he's such a mild-mannered, polite person. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Butter wouldn't melt. Yeah. And it's genuine. Yeah. And then 
And within 20 years, he had changed into this very kind of, you might say, rude, coarse person. Yeah. Which I think partly is to do with the celebrity, uh, uh, the apprentice thing, yeah. you know, where because that's the role in this kind of uh, brutal yeah, kind hard of guy, employer, yeah. you know. Yeah. And but I think it more so it was Twitter that actually caused him to become the now. It being Trump, I, I you think you also have to factor in that he knows, he, he knowingly is involved in this. Yeah. He, he, this is part of his weaponry. Yeah, because all press is good press, and if he can't get it into the media, he's he's triggering other. Yeah, ways, and there's right? also there's a guy called Victor David Hansen, uh, a brilliant guy, classical scholar who has written an amazing guy. He, he was in Stanford University, I think, and uh, he he's written a book, The Case for Trump, mm-hmm. and he he talks about. Uh, uh, Khrushchev, the, the the Soviet leader back in the sixties, who went to the UN, and he, in the middle of a debate about nuclear disarmament or something, he took off his shoe and started banging the table in front of him. And Hansen says that's what Trump is doing on Twitter, mm-hmm. and the meaning of it is, don't mess with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm crazy. I'm going to do you. I'm going to come yeah, after you. Yeah. I'm going to do you. Be careful. Yeah. Just watch yourself. That's and there's a lot to be said for that. That yeah. it's a kind of deterrent. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah, works for yeah. Trump because yeah. people are scared of him. Because he, he, the one thing is that if you take Trump on on Twitter and watch it, mm. he'll demolish you. Yeah. He'll destroy you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's he no mercy. People. He's completely merciless. <laughs> And very witty he, and very he, sharp. Remember, he trolled that young girl, um, the Swedish girl, for the, um, you know, George Soros has her for the um, environmental thing, Greta Thornburg. Uh, Thornburg, yeah. And he trolls her. You looked like a very sweet girl or something. She's there with an angry face. On yeah, there was one terrible, one of the things, some woman was attacking him, you know, and he checked her out and he found that her husband, had, that this, she's double her husband. And he says, he writes back and he says, uh, her husband left her for another man. Yeah. He made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a character. But it, it's even there's something about Donald Trump. Now I'm a fan of Donald Trump. I have to say I like The Apprentice, and I've been following him all along. I think he's very high frequency. Um, I don't necessarily love every word that comes out of his mouth, but sure, you don't have to. I can respect the man. You're not supposed to. Yeah. But saying his name will get you into an argument anywhere you go. Well, Just saying his name. But again, that's that's kind of like it's it's the, the received media thing. Yeah. You, know, people, you see, that's what I mean. The pe- common sense has been bypassed in, in favour of conventional wisdom. Yeah. So what everybody thinks is what's true. Yeah. So yeah. like this is the thing. People start conversations, have been for, year, for the last four or five years, starting conversations with me or in my company, uh, in which they kind of take it for granted that I'm going to agree with everything they say mm. about Donald Trump, which is entirely negative. Yeah, yeah. And I say, well, actually, that's not my view at all. But the interesting yeah. thing is when you do fight back in front of other people, yeah. you'll find that one by one, the other people will start to agree with right. you. Because everybody, it's one of those things that people actually know. They've actually, there's this split in people. That there, there's this conventional wisdom part, but there's still underneath the common sense part. Mm-hmm. And they actually do see Trump as somebody rational and real and, and actually no bullshit. Yeah. 
and likable. Says it how it is. Yeah, he's a likable guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy you would like to have a drink with. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You he's certainly the guy I'd love to have around this country right now. Yeah, we'd be yeah. in a very different position. Yeah, uh, he, like, and, and I think you see, I think he's so underestimated. They take him put him down for stupid, like, but he, he does these things. He sins false trails. He's like Bob Dylan in that way. Bob Dylan always does that. He lays false trails for people, like gives them the impression that he's doing this thing yeah. when in fact he's doing something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, like Trump yeah. speaks in multiple kind of tongues. Yeah, and there's all, all codes in any of his speeches as well, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he brings his pitch down to the level that he wants to speak. And when he speaks to his audience, very interesting, if people want to actually think this through, just go online and search for any of Trump's stadium stump yeah. speeches in yeah. the electioneering, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing you get every time. It's all kind of, you know... Uh, he loves that he, uh, he, he demagoguery. It's yeah. winding up the crowd, winding up the yeah. press. It's winding up this. Yeah. Now, go and watch his speech at Mount Rushmore on the fourth of July this year. Right. Entirely different Trump. Yeah. Entirely yeah. different. I mean, he's now no longer the candidate Trump. He's President Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And he's speaking yeah. true history to the entirety of history, and he can do it, yeah. and he knows what he's doing. And he understands who he's speaking. He's speaking to the same people by and large, yeah. but he's speaking as a different person. Yeah. He's no longer their candidate, he's their president. Yeah. And he understands the difference. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah. he's a very subtle he's man. A very clever man. Yeah. He does. He's been working on selling apartments his entire life, but he's selling million dollar apartments. He gets very good at reading people. <laughs> and yeah. he's very good at selling them. He's a multi billionaire from yeah. selling them. He's good at what? He's good with people. He's there's charisma. A very, there's a very good guy uh, online if people really want sincerely to check out Trump and uh, and really just uh, Scott Adams. He's a cartoonist, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, he he goes on every morning and he's and he's been talking. He's not necessarily a fan of Trump, but he's described why Trump operates the way he does, why he's very good at it. Yeah. Uh, and he's got into huge trouble because of it because people can't distinguish the idea between supporting somebody and simply yeah. objectively that's the problem yeah. we've had here for a long time yeah. objectively describing the reality it's the same thing as me and Fianna Fáil yeah. because I describe culturally how Fianna Fáil works and what Fianna Fáil people are like then people say oh I'm a supporter of Fianna Fáil well I actually never was but yeah, you know yeah, I, yeah. this is your job to write about things sure. and in the same way so Scott Adams does this about Trump and it's really fascinating because he understands Trump language, the techniques he uses, the salesman thing, and how that works. You know, the way he kind of, like he does that salesman thing of always taking you past the deal. Mm -hmm. He never tells you, you know, he never asks you, do you want to buy the car? Yeah. He asks you, do you want red or blue? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, right? yeah, yeah all that yeah. stuff. And, and you see, he, the guy that, I forget the guy's name now, uh, was it Peck? Uh, I forget now, the, the guy who wrote uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. Was a very close friend of, of Trump's father, and they were he was always there. So he like he's had access to a huge amount of understandings. Yeah. He's not in the slightest what people say he is. Yeah, I, I would consider him like a master of manifestation. Mm. Like he's look he's looked at how you can positively think, see what you want, and create it to happen. Yes, he's got that in him. You know, like the secret or the master key system and these kind of systems yeah. of thought and manifestation he will always be positively about himself and his family and he everything did. that he holds dear is at the highest regard he has created like one of the most powerful mythologies that even america has created i mean america has created an enormous series of modern mythologies from hollywood numerous mythologies and literature uh, you know uh, um, rock and roll elvis mm -hmm. these extraordinary mythic figures uh, Trump 
has created himself as such a figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when nobody else has in politics for since Kennedy probably. Yeah. Uh, and for entirely different reasons. But Trump and Kennedy are actually quite similar, even though they look different. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been saying to people for the... Because people have this idea that Trump is... I mean, I saying people talk to me about Trump. They think that Trump is going to be like elected to... Um, on the, you know, on the, the 20th of January, 2021, Trump is going to send the tanks down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue to commandeer, you know, wa uh, Washington and, and, and declare martial law. Yeah. That is not it's going not to happen. It's not what this man wants at No, all. it isn't no, at all. No. Uh, and... You know, like people need to kind of wise up about what this guy is actually. Because I say to people, when the darkness comes, and this is this has become true now. Yeah. I used to say to people, when the darkness comes, it won't look like Donald Trump. Yeah. It'll yeah. be suave. It'll be more like Macron. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, Radcliffe. Yeah. Yeah. Or absolutely. Me, or it's going to have a much different face. Isn't yeah. Because if you can see it, yeah. it's the lizard. Yeah. You know, yeah. with this human skin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas Trump is, a, you know, he's, he's a lizard with a yeah. lizard skin. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's a wolf in one's clothing. You know, he doesn't. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, I say to people, you know, one of my favorite sayings now is, you know, well, you know, it's got to get worse before it gets worse. Mm. So what are we looking at, like in in Ireland right now? So the pubs have been banned in Ireland. So Ireland being renowned the world over for love people come and having a pint, right? Yeah. So there's none of that anymore. You have to sit down at your table and get your food, right? Nine euros, not seven fifty. Well, yeah, exactly. But none of this is legislation or law. It's regulation. I mean, it's very shaky stuff. But see, that's yeah. why they try to block us because we were onto it, and we could have if we got a decent judge. If we got to a judicial review, and the judge, if you had a good judge, he would yeah. felt obliged to uphold the constitution. Yeah. I mean, good judges can't. Do what bad judges can do. Yeah. Judges like such as the ones we met in general, they have no regard for their reputation because they have no reputations. You mm -hmm. know, they're just doing the will of their uh, masters, the political mm -hmm. masters, and so they'll say any old go. You know, it doesn't matter to them. But once you get higher up in the system, they have to call. It, they have to call it as it actually is. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, so. But you're right. I mean, what what's going on here is the completely overturning of Irish culture under the guise of protecting people's health. I mean, you just think about it, like, you know, all of the things that have been happening have served to separate people, to, to, to turn us into our, each other's enemies, or, you know, that we mm -hmm. see each other not as fellow human beings, as friends, brothers, sisters, uh, as, as biohazards coming, tumbling towards us down the street, festering with germs and, and bugs and, and parasites. Mm -hmm. And we, oh, I must get out of the way. I, oh, please, you stay away from me. Stay. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is... Changing the the, the 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 it's rewiring the consciousness of the person against the others, yeah. and uh, all of these things we did in the pub thing. You know, it's it's like conviviality, the ability of people to communicate in the most intimate way outside of intimate relationships. If you like, in other words, that you know you can there speak openly to people. Yeah. It's a kind of a confessional, uh, in a secular sense. Uh, in you know the pub has been a central part in some respects you would say the pub has been quite reactionary in Irish life in some respects but in other sense it has been very positive and we know that kind of distinction you know particularly in the summertime and maybe in the depths of winter you know the hot whiskies and all that I mean what was the best cure for the flu in Ireland yeah, hot whiskey hot still is <laughs> yeah like and I'm sure it would even kill COVID as well if you've got enough of them yeah 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 but yeah. COVID can get and be killed at 24 degrees your cup of tea will kill COVID 
But essentially, most of that happened in a room with two men, old man, young man. And it happened in the conditions which were set out in a booklet, which was in every house back when I was a child in Ireland, a civil defence booklet, which was what to do in the event of nuclear war. Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember that? I, I vaguely remember that. Well, yeah. it, was, it was absolutely uh, fascinating and hilarious now. Yeah. I mean, the, what you did was you got your wardrobes, right? And you fill them with earth from the garden and you put them in the window, right? And then you got your kitchen table, you got all your books. It, there was a kind of assumption everybody would have books in, which is interesting because mm -hmm. if you go to most houses now, they don't have any books. No, no. Uh, but you got all these books and you put them on top of your table and then everybody gets under the table, right? And they stay there until the alert is <laughs> over. That'll save you from radiation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now I, I used to have fantasies about this like as a child. I used to think this would be great adventure, you know, and I would look at it and be there. And I, for some reason, I always imagined that I would be in there under the table reading a book with a flashlight and eating sausage sandwiches. That was my idea. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, but, so I had, this was the centerpiece. And I had actually, we did a beautiful stage thing where we got this guy, I forget his name, he's a brilliant designer, and he did create a kind of igloo out of books over, yeah. over the table. So and, and so this was there, and it was a beautiful icon. And, and, and then the other thing was that there was not a TV set. See, it was set in the future. Mm -hmm. Not clear when it was. I had this idea, actually, ironically, that it was going to be set in 2020, in my head, right? Right, yeah. Uh, I wrote it in 94, remember? Yeah. And the way we communicated it on stage was the main character had a t-shirt on and had a picture of Corey Pierce, and the slogan was simply 1916, 2016. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was like the idea was, and it was a faded t-shirt, so yeah. it was like yeah. something happened maybe a few years ago, the anniversary, the centenary. And well, in the middle of the room was this kind of insect head on a stand, and it was like a virtual reality helmet. And so, when you put it on, you could actually you were in the so you were in Beirut with the bomb going off, right, and all that. So, like in a certain sense, it was extraordinarily prophetic, because the language is all about in shelter, being in shelter, and being you know uh, that's the phrase in shelter. Yeah. And. I come like I read it again. I can't, I just took it down there last week and started reading. And said, "Wow, this is like, this is what it's kind of about." Yeah, yeah. But it was also yeah. underlying. It, those glasses now, don't they? Like yeah. almost like a helmet. They do. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was before they were invented, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was, I, I like, there's something in the imagination about this, and there's something in our culture about, you know, uh, fear. The fear of the unknown. I mean, you think about. It. I mean, in all my life it has been dominated by some terror or other. The mm -hmm. Cold War was always. Mm -hmm. I remember as a child, you know, the planes. I remember the time there was some kind of rumpus in the Congo, and Conor Cruz O'Brien, the Irish minister, was uh, involved in, 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 and and a war was breaking out there. I had no idea what it was, but I remember planes going overhead. Uh, we're out in the countryside and planes, and it was this sense of fear which obviously came from somewhere. And it seems that they've always actually been doing this to people, you know, creating this sense of fear. So as soon as, uh, as, soon as uh, the Cold War was over in 1989, the, the climate change fear started up. Okay. And now we're onto the COVID fear. Yeah. And, and so they need something, you know. I, and mm. You see, most people like me, and I have to be honest and say naively, I live my life, most of my life, never really paying attention to these things. And I'm just assuming they just run the country. They're doing the best they can, yeah. by and large. I don't like some of the stuff they do. It annoys me, whatever. But generally, I'm not going to fundamentally...
question their integrity, yeah. but I should have. All the time they were actually using all these devices, actually, because they had this necessity to control people. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, well, like, why not just leave people be? Yeah. Yeah. Let people live their lives. Yeah. Just yeah. do yeah. your job. Be, let people be happy. Yeah. As happy as they can in this but world. That's why it's hard to conceive of the darkness and the people who are involved in dark activities, because they don't think like you and me. No. They don't think like that. They just That's right. Let humans be free and live your life and be yeah. joyful so and playful. We have they no comprehension. They just don't want that. We can't comprehend. We can't actually comprehend how that's, that's the problem. And that's the trickery that they've been using. Exactly. Because mm. that explains why people don't see it. Because yeah. it's not possible for them. Yeah. They can't imagine that anybody would want to do things. I found that even in much minor ways, you know, like in 2012, for example, in the children's referendum, which was a precursor to a lot of this stuff, yeah. where they were essentially, in the name of allegedly giving rights to children, they were essentially taking rights from families to the state. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was warning people about social workers and some of the stuff that was going on. And say, oh, they would say, oh, but why would they want to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and then mm -hmm. there's no answer to that actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't have an answer yeah. to that yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's Except no, because there's no they can. human compassionate answer to no, that. No, there isn't. No, no, no because there's the only a dark motivation answer. is not a compassionate answer. There's only a dark answer. Um, and, 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 it, and it's ultimately, eventually, that um, I, I think that they will be starting to come into houses now where people have COVID and taken the kids away. That, 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 very guy, that very sinister guy uh, from Sligo, who is the deputy head of the WHO, uh, Michael Ryan, I think he's a doctor. Yeah. Uh, he said as much. Yeah. yeah. That, that they would be doing that. Yeah. And you just think about that. Yeah. They come with an ambulance and masks up and everything, and they say, Your child is at the school today and she sneezed. Yeah. We're going to take her into. Yeah. Uh, 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 Do you don't want to be taking any of these COVID tests. Because, well, partly they're going to stick a cotton bud up into your brain. Yeah. I mean, if your saliva can pass, uh, can give these uh, viruses, apparently, why are they going up into your brain to give you this test? Well, I but mean, if it's you're... potentially some... contaminated. It can be altered at any point. But potentially, you could be saying goodbye to your children if you, if you and your husband have COVID. But yeah. we'll, just, we'll just take your child for a while. We don't know how long it'll be. And they're going to foster care. And then you might see them. After six months, if you've been three months clear of COVID, you might get to see them every second Tuesday mm. for, a, for a half an hour. Just as if you're in, a, in an old folks home at the moment, there is, and you can actually have one visitor per week for half an hour. Yeah. That's yeah. monstrous. That's right. That's right. It's completely monstrous. Yeah. I mean, and you know, people have no idea, you know, what's in this. Like, I mean, people, we had this, and we were trying to argue this out in the courts with the judge, but of course the media won't report it. Mm. Uh, the, the Mental Health Act uh, is being modified uh, to now. Well, previously it was, if, if you were to be taken into, uh, to be sectioned, as we used to say, that involved, you had to have two psychiatrists, but you also had to have a panel of experts who studied the reports and made decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, one person, a lawyer, can make a decision on the basis of one doctor's opinion. And that doctor does not even have to have seen you. I I even had an argument with the with the judge. Like the judge is saying, well, you know, you can do it online, you do it in a Zoom call or something like that, you know. And what if you examine? Can you imagine mm -hmm. if I'm ill and I you I want to you want to see what's wrong with me that you're going to do a Zoom call with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's unbelievable that that would be. And and I said, look, it's like saying to people. Oh yeah, okay. So imagine I'm a wedding photographer, right? And 
And he said to me, he rang me up and he said, will you take a photograph of my wedding? I said, yeah, yeah, what's the date? Yeah, I'm, I'm available that day, yeah, okay. And he said, okay, and we arranged the price, the price and the many photographs you want, and you're the church and all that, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, and then I say to you, uh, now, will you be using Skype or Zoom? Mm -hmm. And you say, sorry? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, from the church. Yeah. Well, and I said, well, obviously I can't actually go to the church. That would be too dangerous. Mm -hmm. So if you send me the pictures from the church on Zoom or Skype, yeah. I'll take pictures of them and yeah. send them all back to you. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be a wedding photograph. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like that's absurd. Yeah. Well, that's the, the judge was saying to me yeah. that, that it was okay for a doctor to examine somebody whose liberty would be taken away as a result of this examination. Yeah, yeah. And it was okay that it happened remotely. Yeah. These guys yeah. should be taken out and put in prison immediately. I'm talking to judges. I'm talking about all these people, politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who come up with gibberish like that should be told, please. Take off your robe right now, leave the bench and go away until we will be in touch. What disregard they have for human beings yes. and human life. Yes. Life life is in itself the beauty of life. Liberty. Yeah. Liberty. I mean, the, 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 those five articles in the Constitution of Ireland, Article 40, 41, 42, 43 and 44, which deal with the right to life, the right to liberty, the right to free speech, the right to freedom of association, uh, uh, the right to uh, private property, right to religious uh, observance and, and assembly mm -hmm. they're all the things that are gone yeah. in the past five months yeah. and nobody thinks it's a bad thing no in fact they encourage it and there's no evidence to sustain it none no science at all to back it up no, no data no one's responsible for the scare tactics in the beginning of the 85,000 a week now there's like barely a thousand if even any at all and there doesn't seem to be anything so but John what do we do as Irish people as Irish. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we have to change consciousness of the people. Mm -hmm. That's fundamentally. Now, the good news is that it's not entirely up to us. That, that, I mean, it's one of those strange mystical processes. It's magical in a way. Mm -hmm. We only have to do little things. And if we do them, this is my experience, other things happen. So mm -hmm. now we don't have to do all the heavy lifting. But yeah. we have to... We, we first of all have to not acquiesce. I think David Icke is absolutely right about that. Yeah. And that means that we exercise the power of the powerless. We do the little things. When somebody says, put on your mask, you say, no. Mm -hmm. uh, or just don't say anything. Fall silent. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a shop yesterday, and, and uh, uh, it's a nice, beautiful country shop, and I went in and there was a big glass partition Perspex partition around the partition around the counter, and woman behind it, a massive big mask on her face, you know. And so I just wanted a couple of cups of coffee, a cup of tea, and a cup of coffee. So I filled the coffee, and then I couldn't figure out where to get the hot water for it. So I asked her, "Can you do tea on this machine?" And she said, "Oh yeah, you just press." Da, da, da. And she said, "And I went over, and I was kind of couldn't quite see." And she said, "I can't come out to you because you're not wearing a mask." <laughs> you know, like. Um, you would have thought like her mask would have been good enough for the both of us, you know. But mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, I didn't say anything. I was yeah. tempted to, to give her some smart answer, but I just didn't answer. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably just as effective. Mm -hmm. Just treat it with just saying, yeah. just don't, 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 don't engage. Yeah. 
uh, they go away in the end. I mean, these kind of bullies, you know, there's a lot of it going on. Mm -hmm. And just saying, you know, you could make a smart remark, say, well, I, I failed the ugly competition, but so uh, they wouldn't give me a laugh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I just I, exempt, I'm exempt on moral grounds because God necessitates me to breathe air to live. Yeah, it is a moral I, yeah ground, it's, a, it's a medical condition I have that I need to breathe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, so that's I think definitely we have to resist, not acquiesce. Yeah, that's because it's more common. This yeah. is just the start. We have to draw lines because yeah. in a way, and again, Ike says this, but what they do is they push door after door after door, and if that one opens, they move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. If that one doesn't open, they have to stop. Yeah, and yeah. if it doesn't open, so they have to open that door somewhere, and if it doesn't open, then they can't go any further. Yeah. And if this, if we had said no in April, it would be over. Yeah. Yeah. But now here we are in, in August, and it's, it could be only starting it's up. It's only again. accelerating, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think people need to look to their own behavior and their own attitudes and start to inform themselves. Turn off the TV, mm -hmm. first of all. It's the quickest cure for COVID, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it turn is. Off the yeah. TV. Turn off the TV, because that's yeah. just lies, morning till night and night till morning. Yeah. Don't buy the newspaper. I see people, pretty old people walking up from the shops yeah. with the or yeah. times on their arm. They're cheering. It's quite intellectual. They think they're actually going to know what something from this. Like, it's going to just indoctrinated for the day yeah, yeah. Um, they've got to do that uh, and but start to learn start to talk about it openly mm -hmm. you trust your instincts like if there's something that doesn't add up for you then you're probably right mm -hmm. the chances are you're right mm -hmm. if something seems to you to be weird then it probably is yeah. uh, and certainly there's no end of weirdnesses in all of this like this man from, from Tipperary wrote to me and said look 30,000 people died every year. And we're talking about 1,000 people who've died in the past four months from COVID. How did they know? Mm -hmm. And he's dead right. That's exactly the yeah. point. Because yeah. all they've done is actually move bodies from one place to another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And recategorize them. But That's look, there's been no flu. There has been no pneumonia this year. There's apparently no heart attacks anymore. Everyone just has COVID. Yeah. So they falsify. You don't need to falsify records in a pandemic, you know. That's right. So they're... Um, and I, I didn't see this myself, but I, I heard that Leo Radcar had released on Twitter that 70% of these were uh, died with rather than from COVID. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a figure on the HSE website, which actually uh, is, I think, that only 100 and I think one or something like that cases are of people who had no comorbidities. Mm -hmm. Now... Again, you just think about this. That that might mean, conceivably, that only 101 people should be considered as having died from COVID at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, so they had no comment. But what ages were they? Mm -hmm. People die. Like, I've been at hundreds of funerals in my life, and people die at the age of 90. Nobody even asked what they died of. No. No, no. They just die. Yeah, they do. Because they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So, so that then the other thing is, you know, unfortunately, all my life I know people who have died like that for no reason, mm -hmm. sudden heart attack, whatever, just die. It's like one of the most shocking things when somebody who's in the prime of life is just here, they're dead, and it's like, like what happens? Not infrequently. If you're in a small town, you're very much aware of this growing mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. that it happens maybe two or three times a year, even in a very small community. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there you are. You think put that you know a, a national level, you're going to get in a four month period, 
uh, or even in a two-month period, you know, a significant number, maybe a few dozen, maybe 50, maybe 100 people who died suddenly for no explicable reason, mm -hmm. other than that they got a heart attack, they got a stroke, whatever it was, a sudden, or in some cases they don't even know. I mean, this is the point, mm -hmm. you know. I, 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 I actually remember being in a conversation with a doctor in hospital there a few years ago where he wanted me to take statins for, for uh, cholesterol, and I said, I don't, but do a plaque reading, as I understand it, and what's the plaque reading? He hadn't even done a plaque reading, so I said, well, we don't know that. Yeah. But in the end, like, I said to him, okay, so if I take the statins, so if I don't take statins, what's my chances now to get attack? He said, well, over the next year, probably about 2%. Mm. Uh, I said, okay, so if I take the statins, what would it be like? He said, well, uh, well, it takes a while for the statins to kick in. Mm. I said, oh, really? How long would that be? Mm, about 10 years. <laughs> 10 years, right? And I said, at the end of the 10 years, what, uh, I said, what am I chance to? He says, about 1%. Wow. Now, you've got to know whether that's bullshit. He's lying anyway, because yeah. statins are, you give you, you're in a higher risk of heart attack because you yeah. block the pericardium of the heart. Yeah, but also, like, can anybody tell the difference between 1% and 2% yeah, yeah, of anything? Yeah, 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 over 10 years. Other than measuring it microscopically yeah. with, the, with some kind of... Pure guess. It's just, it's just yeah. talking, yeah. it's just talking. Yeah, yeah. And then I said to him, just one more question then, doctor. Have you ever seen anybody who came in here having had a heart attack who had no evidence of heart, showed no evidence of heart disease? Mm. Oh, it's very common, yeah. Mm. Said, here yeah. we do. Thank you, I rest my case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so like... Yeah. People die for this. See, this is the thing. Like we, we people in the last uh, week or in the last few weeks have been talking about if oh somebody died in the HSE. Well, the HSE employs something like I don't know several hundred thousand people. Mm -hmm. You know, in the average group of several hundred thousand people, even under people under sixty-five years of age, occasionally people are going to die. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just the. They can use that leverage very easily, can't they? It's yeah. Just, it's just a sleight of hand. It's just all this is going. It's, this is all sleight of hands. It's all trickery. It's all kind of Tommy yeah, Cooper, I call yeah. Tommy Cooper stuff. It's, they're isolated numbers, aren't they? Because a number needs to be relative. So, like for example, if you have um, a, an elephant, an elephant is an elephant, but you put it beside a skyscraper. Well, now it's really small. But you beside it, put it beside a mouse, it's really big. Mm. Right, so you're given isolated numbers, but they're not saying what it was last year. No, they're not. Or what, what it would normally be or anything. They're just giving very isolated numbers. No, no, and they're not giving out figures. Yeah, uh, but if you give relative numbers, you go, oh, wouldn't even notice. If the media wasn't on, I wouldn't know there was anything going on this year. Well, that's, that's, the, that's where media come in. That's what media for are for, to do yeah, those comparisons. Yeah. Because you put them in front of people every night and say, well, you know, like every time some of the government comes up with a statistic, there should be teams of journalists pouncing on them, looking at those anomalies and contradictions, drawing attention to them. Okay, if they can be uh, discounted, fine. If the yeah. Minister of Health can say, ah, oh, you're misunderstanding, yeah, that, 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 that. okay, yeah. thank you, that's fine, we accept it now. But none of that's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. in fact, I've actually, uh, uh, there's been a very sinister thing. I, I don't do mainstream media, but there's one particular radio station that I do. I have been talking on, I've been appearing on, and I appeared with them in March, and I was kind of warned when I, before I went on not to make any comment that would be in any way suggest that the lockdown wasn't justified, you know? But as it happened, the thing I was going to talk about, which was the old people in the nursing homes, wasn't really going to cut across that, so I didn't say anything. Mm. 
And at that point, I was still trying to make up my own my mind about the overall what was going on. So I didn't really. Well, I haven't been on that. They haven't invited me on since. Mm -hmm. So it's quite clear they got an instruction. Yeah. Do yeah. not have people on yeah. talking critically, oh, or there will be consequences for you yeah. and possibly your life. It's just not allowed. Yeah. It's just not allowed. Mm. That is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think really like to sum up. I, I think the current situation in the country is in, has nothing to do with the virus. It's a lot to do with fear and it's more about bringing in control systems than in, and it, this was just an excuse. Exactly. It was like um, lots of things that gets done in the world but basically throw in any old thing at all and then people will start to um, fall off. And like they're so afraid of dying but not willing to live either. They want to lock themselves up in a house. That's not living. Yeah, well there's also an element of a kind of a post-religious aspect to that which is that before uh, the mechanism of religion allowed us the understanding that if somebody died in tragic circumstances or suddenly or young or it's the will of God. Yeah. That was the way we discounted. Not discounted because obviously it's very sad and it's mm. it, but it's a sense it allows you to accept it over time. Yeah. It seems now that a culture we're developing has no capacity to accept anything. Uh, if if pressure is put on morally to say to us, you cannot accept that, then we cannot accept it. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems we can kill countless babies with abortion, but if the government says to us, we must save every life, mm -hmm. no life is worth, you know, 1% of GDP or 20% of GDP, mm. which is nonsense, and we know that they know it's nonsense, and we know mm. that because the, there's a relationship between They don't give a shit about lives when no. comes to money. No, they don't. No. They don't understand. And, and, but the point is that they, they use... The old, the vulnerable, the sick, as kind of human shields to bully, to push through their agendas, and then they dispose of those old people and vulnerable people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we we need to educate ourselves. We need to start understanding. But the most fundamental thing we need to understand is that the media that we rely upon for information are completely corrupt, mm -hmm. and they are distorting everything. They are lying to us from morning till night and from night until morning. And while we are dependent on them for our understanding, then we do not understand anything. Mm -hmm. And the, the other thing is, in relation to, the, the, to what you said there, Paul, that, uh, yes, that there is a control, yes. But control for what? Because I think that's, that we have to really look at it. There, are many, there is much material about the scenarios that are about to unfold now in relation to biometric IDs, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, the use of vaccine to implant... Uh, 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 some kind of chip mm -hmm. in the human minuscule chip in the human passport which will allow them to be checked which that they'll be scanned at the airport and if they don't show up as having, uh, having got such and such a vaccine then they won't be allowed to travel that there's all kinds of ways of checking on people that the uh, facial recognition technologies are being rolled out and we're into a whole new uh, era of uh, public administration whereby our own understandings whereby fundamentally the relationship between the state and the citizen was that the citizen was let alone unless he or she broke the law. Mm -hmm. And then there was a process and, a and, 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 and so on. But now it's like everything's inverted. Mm -hmm. That we have to prove at every moment to the state that we are worthy of freedom. Mm -hmm. 
that we're worthy of going in this door or that gate. It's up to us. Mm -hmm. So we have to do all the things that they've put before us in order to, to allow it. That, that's a new thing. Yeah. And yeah, that's actually, yeah. there's been this flipping of the very concept of health, whereby all our lives we have understood health in a certain way, um, that it was you know, something that we tried ourselves. Obviously, we have self-interest in keeping our own health. The government, to some extent, if we needed help, would help us. The state would help us because if we weren't able to afford health care, then we got free health care and, and so on. And, and that's how we had insurance for that. And, and that. But over and above that, what we also felt was that when somebody was ill, they were an object of compassion, of care, mm -hmm. of sympathy. Now it's all gone. Yeah. Now it's your health is your responsibility mm -hmm. because you will endanger mine. Mm -hmm. They've managed to sell this idea. Yeah. So they flipped over that. And and now instead of actually simply being another human being, you are a potential risk of infection. Mm -hmm. And you the mask yeah. sends the signal very clearly. Yeah. Oh, I'm a I'm a I'm a biohazard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm a germ bag. Which, you know, if you want to see the human person, you can see that. I mean, of course, but there are lots of th ways you can see the human person in a negative way if you want to. Sure. But we never allow our culture to to make these uh, the, the, the headline understandings of the human. Uh, what, do you, what do you think will happen to us when we're around people and you can't see anyone smile anymore? You know, you can't see any expression at all. You're just looking at these eyes. Um, but you know when you're walking down the street and someone smiles at you and it almost makes your morning well you know, I, i've yeah. invented a new a new device actually which will deal with this and i was thinking of going to the government now and asking to patent it because you know i've invented i invented a, a special mask mm -hmm. which uh, and you can actually i was thinking of setting up state street corner kind of uh, machines mm -hmm. where you could have you come on you, you see you i would just take your photograph right yeah. and then instantly Put it into my, my machinery, and I also decided I would come a mask, and it would have the lower side of your face there, right? Okay, so you would now look exactly like you would have looked with the mask on, right? Mm. Now I know that a couple of people, in, a couple of firms in America and in Europe have stolen my idea, and they're already doing this. But I've now a new device. So you know, like the the button for your car, mm. for opening your car door. So you have that in your pocket, right? Mm. And I now can, I've invented a mask which will allow you to smile because mm -hmm. it's got like two layers. Okay. Uh, it's got a plastic thing and it's got so so I can just press. If you say you so you say something funny to me, mm -hmm. and I go. Yeah, <laughs> mask off. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, it's not possible. We can still be human in a totalitarian culture. Is my, my it's a message now for the people of Ireland. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to have this, you can have it. But. You can still be a little bit human by having this little thing like your car in your pocket and you can go. <laughs> That's where it's we're crazy. going. It's crazy, isn't it's it? Crazy, yeah. 2020 is nuts. Yeah. I think there's so much more to this year as well. I really do. I think there's some big shockers on the way. Um, oh, I, I, I think you're right. But I, 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 well, I think it's only starting. Because yeah, I, I, yeah. you actually think of the cycle of it. This is really interesting. Like... When did it start? It really only started at the beginning of March. Mm -hmm. 
which is kind of after the flu season. Yeah. So they started at literally zero in flu terms, mm -hmm. in, 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 you know, those kind of categories of illness, right? So we had to go the full 360 immediately from there, right? Yeah. And we're only kind of about a third of the way around the, the 360 degrees here. Right, so, yeah. And we have to come into the worst part because yeah. the, 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 the flu season doesn't kick in until probably November. Yeah. And then it goes to, through until February, early March. So we've got all the horrors ahead of us. This is one we've been addressing. Yeah. Because we've talked herself. all about this time, we've never gone into 5G, which I think is a whole other matter in itself. Yeah, it's but there's definitely a link. Whatever the link is, I'm not 100% sure. Can 5G turn this thing on? I don't know. I, I think the, the, the issue about needs a, of, of 5G needs a lot more elaboration and expectation. You see, there's no safety on it, so we don't know anything about 5G. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely not... On, 3G you do with the 2.4 gigahertz, and that's very damning what that can do, and that's been densified. Yeah, but it's also, this is very central to your speciality of understanding that in a certain sense that the, the, the body is kind of an electronic machine mm -hmm. or something like mm -hmm. that, as I understand it. And, 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 of course, we know that the electrical circuitry and all that kind of thing. So that the idea, but this is an alien idea to a lot of people, that, that there could be any connection between some kind of, like, uh, you know, a wave generating kind of for a signal for mobile technologies mm. uh, and the human body. But that's the key to it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that there's it's a connection that, yeah. you can, that you can manipulate the human body in different, very subtle ways that's right. yeah. through these technologies yeah. without anybody necessarily being able to monitor it. Very stealth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we used this actually in Northern Ireland in the 70s. The British Army used it on the Catholics in the north to sedate them. And basically disrupt their bodies and whatnot afterwards so it's been used for crowd control for for many years yeah but th this year we're going to find out what 5g is you know so for the lovers the doubters the in-betweeners you're all going to know well uh, yeah gonna know. i mean one of the, the i'm always interested when people don't want whenever you hear somebody trying to close down a discussion Mm -hmm. I start. I start to get interested. Mm -hmm. Say, so, well, why, why, why? Like, okay, because if, if somebody keeps saying, "Oh, it's ridiculous," uh, criticizing five G. I mean, we all know it's perfectly safe. Oh, do we? Do we? Do we? Show me one safety. Well, then, how come all the people who defended refuse to come up with any documentary yeah. proof that it's yeah. safe? Yeah. Uh, so, but I'll tell you what. Let's not worry about that. Let's just have a big discussion. And everybody can put their evidence on the table, yeah. and the tin foil hat boys can have a go, and the investors in the five G can have a go, and the public can watch, and yeah. we can all make our own. Let's have that. an open debate. Yeah, why not? Let's use and science. That's all we want. Let's use something you haven't done before. Use science. Yeah, but no, they don't. That's what they want to stop. That that's exactly yeah. what they want to stop. Yeah. And and uh, why? Because it's deeply suspect. Period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. people yeah. need to start. Why? I mean. Well, we're turning up frequencies now, up and up and up and up and up. Like, we're just in the microwave right now. You know? Well, again, I would say, as a motivation to people, I do think, you know, that, you know, sometimes people say, ah, I don't really mind anyway, I should have my privacy. Think about your children. Think about your grandchildren. That We were given a beautiful free country, mm. and we're going to give them a crop, which a totalitarian crop. Mm. Is, that a proud, is, that, is that going to make you proud on your deathbed? You know, that you... you, you handed over this country that was given to you in, in, in reasonably good shape and you're giving it to your grandchildren in, in this, uh, this this appalling yeah. place. Yeah, because whether you think you can live with 5G, but the bees can't live with it, the birds can't live with it, 
the animals can't live with it. Clearly not. They're falling out of the sky. Of the books, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you think you can do that, that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I think again, you know, I come back to it. In a normal functioning society, all this would be okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, societies cannot work unless all the parts are working together. Mm-hmm. And and as so, so long as you have media not functioning as they're supposed to, then the entire circuitry is screwed up. Yeah. And so politicians will not be honest. Mm. Business people will not be honest. Uh, lawyers, judges will not be honest. Mm-hmm. Unless there is accountability, okay. transparency and visibility. That's what journalism is. It's a sacred calling. It's, that's why journalism was called the fourth estate by Edmund Burke. And he said it's the most powerful estate of them all because that's the one that makes all the others honest. And if yeah. it's not honest itself, then we're screwed. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop buying corrupt newspapers. We have to stop subsidizing corrupt uh, uh, broadcasting. And we have to start thinking for ourselves. But the good news is that all the things that you need are there on the internet. If they're not still on YouTube, as many have been banned or barred. But they're out there on other platforms. Uh, London Real, mm-hmm. JimOdoherty.com, Another's channel. All these channels, they're there and they can't close them all down. So, you know, uh, it's all possible. It's still possible. And it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can stop this. We've kind of just about enough time to stop it. Mm-hmm. But no more than enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I think we'll end it for today, John. And I okay. just want to remind everyone that Mad Max was set in 2021. <laughs> So if you watch that movie, it's not too far away of what we're looking into if we don't uh, if we don't realise what's going on and have these conversations with your families, with your friends, with everyone who's willing to talk about what's actually going on, what's really going on, and don't be afraid to speak your truth. Above all, speak your truth. Right, for then. sure. Great. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you.